This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ community radio station, Joy 94.9. Across Australia, on the Community Radio Network, to over 70 community radio stations around the nation. This is Word for Word, coming to you from Australia's first gay and lesbian radio station, Melbourne's Joy 94.9. Welcome to Word for Word. Dean Beck with you today and thank you for joining me on this very special Mother's Day edition of Word for Word. Today we're joined by one of the co-proprietors of the Laird Hotel, Brett Lasham, and his mother, Shirley. Welcome to you both. Hi, Dean. Shirley, welcome. Uh, Now, we just want to explore how a mother and son evolve. We want to... uh, Basically, explore Shirley what Brett was like as a as a as a kid, and uh, how he's become one of our community's leaders, and uh, and the work that you indeed do for the gay and lesbian community in your own uh, regional area. So, um, Shirley, what was Brett like as a kid? You want the truth? Yes, please. <laughs> oh, Absolutely. <laughs> Well, I suppose one of the, the really interesting things, if I look back, is I remember Brett's pink fluoro phase. Do you remember that, Brett? Yes, yes, yes. Thanks, yes, yes. Oh, right. Because he probably doesn't want to talk about the pink I don't care. Phase. We will. No, he, he had a phase, I think when he was about mid-primary school, of wearing pink fluoro tops, pink fluoro socks. It was the 80s. The, the day, day glow and, and fluoro. And I era, never yeah. saw it as a precursor to being gay, you know? Well, was it? Or was it a I surfing culture thing? I don't know. It was a wham thing. But yeah. he loved pink. <laughs> yeah. He loved pink, yeah. Uh-huh. What other traits did he have? Anything that might have shone through? Uh, he loved his mum, even at a very early stage. He screamed, Nothing wrong with that. He screamed when I left the room right up until he was five. <laughs> then he didn't want to know me. <laughs> right. Uh, yes. um, was he, uh, in what ways was he challenging? Look, I wouldn't say he was any more challenging than any other kid until he was a teenager, and then he probably followed the same challenging path as any other boy. Hmm, hmm. But that's normal. The usual exploration of... He cut loose a bit, you know. He, he did yeah. cut, yes. So, Brett, yeah. how would you describe your uh, childhood? Uh, well, look, where we grew up in, in the Yarra Valley, it was a, it's an amazing place to grow up. And I've always said it was a great place to grow up till you're about 11 when all the little the childhood sort of fun starts to wear off when you start to get into the reality of teenage years. And then it's like you're in, a, you're in this zone of, like, you, you want to get out of there. You want to get to the city and, you know... You can't um, get out of there quick enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. you realise it's not, you know, you've traipsed through farms and fished and done all that as a kid and then it's what time you start to go, oh, no, there's, yeah. I want nightclubs yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah something, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. and that's when you start to get into trouble, so. Yeah. <laughs> what sort of trouble did you get into? Oh, look, I mean, <laughs> up there, I mean, you know, one of the main things is the, the easiest things to do is you, you start smoking pot or that sort of thing or you just go around causing trouble. So, you know, we never did really bad things. It was just that you do mischief things. So, mm. yeah. And they're, they're challenges that uh, um, are still, well, perhaps even more present today yeah. for, 
for today's use. Yeah, and I think when I look back at it now as well, I know that part of that and of me maybe breaking out was because I knew there was something different about me, but I had no idea what it was. You don't, you don't sit there and go, you don't know what gay is, you know. Um, so you just know there's something different. You know you're not thinking on the same wavelength as your mates. And at one point I was alienated from a bunch of friends, which was really, when I looked back at it years later, realised it was quite a big turning point that I hadn't really... Tell us about at. that. Um, um, in what way you know, were you there was, alienated? There was a bunch of mates that we'd gone from primary school through to early high school together. And then I, don't, I still can't even pinpoint why it was, but it, all of a sudden I wasn't accepted in the group. And I don't think they... It wasn't a gay thing. It was yep. something was different. And I don't know what it was. I just, so then what happens in so many situations like that, you start hanging out with the the uh, the outsiders. So you start hanging out with the heavy metal kids, the you know, the ferals. Um, because the kids who come the from all the broken families and create that, yeah. their own group. Yeah. yeah. And I started hanging around with a lot of kids who came from quite, you know, bad broken families and I came from one that where fair enough my parents had split up, but it was still a very loving family. Sure. So to going with these kids who just could do whatever they want, they could run amok and you know, that sort of thing. So, And I still, at that stage, I still knew there was something about me that I never quite felt comfortable in front of anyone, and it's not until you realise what it is that, you know, yeah. Shirley, uh, what's your recollection of, of his rebellious times? Um, well, I suppose I have to start by saying that at no stage during Brett's teens did I ever suspect that he was gay. Right. Um and so I just well, if you didn't suspect was... it from the pink thing, then you never. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was that was a joke. That's um, retrospective. That uh, <laughs> so when he was going through his rebellious teens, I just thought that's what it was. He was being a typical male teenager, yeah. and I tried to deal with it as I thought best, which was that the upbringing he'd had would hopefully eventually shine through, and that he would find his own way. All I could do was be there. Um, try not to nag too much, which is very difficult for me because I I have that, um, that natural ability that natural ability <laughs> yeah. to nag, to hang on to. I think mums to, are pretty to good to at that. To be in control, which ah, is so it's yes. very difficult for me to let go. Right. And everyone who knows me and has ever lived with me will be nodding, going yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so I had to let go and just hope and pray that he would stay or come back to the right track and would not go too deep into the, the wrong paths. But that's what happened far. as well, because there were so many situations where I was I had the chance to do a lot of crazy things, mm. and quite often I would step back from things that, that our friends were doing, and that we got it to... They ended up getting into a lot of really crazy stuff. And Can you give us an it example It was always I had that sort of, I don't want to disappoint my mum in the back of my head, whereas I guess these kids had that mum doesn't care what I do yes. sort of thing, and I always had this guilt thing that would stop me from doing anything... That I knew, you know, stealing, steal that car or, it, you know, was it guilt hey, let's or... take heroin or whatever. It's You would just step back and go, no, let's, you know, I think I'm going home. Sort of yeah, and these yeah. kids would go off and do some crazy stuff. So That uh, says a lot, uh, Shirley, about your uh, skills as a mother in raising bread. It really does. That he could, uh, I guess, self-censor at, at a time when it was required. I guess it's something that as, as mums or as dads, mums and dads, as parents, we always hope that we instil in our kids is that ability that as they go through the teenage years and as they mature, that they have that ability to to self-monitor where we, where we have to let go, that they pick up. Um, but it's a scary thing to let go. And something that challenges mothers uh, constantly... Absolutely. Um, and, and at all ages for their, their Absolutely. children. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Brett, what was Shirley like as as a mother? Um, I think she was. I don't think you could ask for a better mother. Really, Mum was so. Um, you know, she brought up. There was four of us, um, all two years apart, um, and we were brought up in just what was really. Look, Mark has always called us the we like the, the Brady Bunch or the, the Partridge family, sort of like it's all very loving and all that, our family. Because um, we don't argue a lot and that sort of thing. But um, it was we had a great, as I said, country life, childhood growing up there, um, great holidays and all that sort of stuff. It was a really good, I guess, wholesome environment and everything. Um, um, and we were, you know, exposed to a really good good things as kids. So, um, you know, mum was all very, always very strong on education, so... Um, even if I didn't always do that well at school, I picked up a lot of good things and always, um, my teachers always said I had the best ability, but just didn't do it. So I could really... Was that, um, application on your behalf or or lack thereof? Basically it was because, (laughs) you know, I, I could, could have, um, excelled, but it was always that I was in with a certain crowd where, you know, let's go and do that instead of studying or doing this or let's wag that class and... Yeah, smoke cigarettes down the back. Yeah. Well, I don't think you're um, unique in that regard. But I always had the now, so I don't know whether it was from mum or not, but I always had the now, so I managed to make it through from year 10 basically failing into year 11, year 11 basically failing into year 12 and getting through those years and still learning stuff. But I was never, you know, the teachers liked me because I was... I was going to say, you must have been a They, they were always like, why are you in with the wrong crowd? What are you doing with the, with the bad guys? Yeah, I, I was able to sort of convince teachers that, oh, next year I'm going to be so much better. You were the nice guy in with the bad lot. It, which is, yeah. Right. Yeah. And yep. that's interesting, Dean, because it came through in school reports. Right. That he was liked by, by his peers and teachers alike. And you could see teachers struggling with, well, here's a kid who's got potential who isn't realising that potential. Yeah. And I and I could see teachers' frustrations reflecting my own, I, mm. I guess, as a parent. And that's that's another thing where you have to let go because uh, as a parent you can't force a child to be their best. You can only say, well, here's your opportunity. And I suppose I've seen Brett realise that opportunity since leaving school in the various things that he's pursued through hospitality, through the bank, and then back to hospitality again. Um, that's that's the thing that's always amazed me. You you always feel like going back to your old high school and just shouting out, "None of it matters." Yes, you know, none yes. of none of this matters. And and there, um, is, if if you look at those, it gets better videos mm. on online. So much of them say exactly that. Yep. All that crap that goes on in school. Yeah. None of it matters. Yeah. Pythagoras, come on. Who is that? What? Is that? Yeah. Uh, um, uh, what would you What would you like to uh, to tell? kids of, of today that are in that exact same position perhaps that you're in, Brett, that um, that are struggling with being perhaps in a crew that is accepting them, mm. but they're the wrong people really to be with, and they are the nice kid in the yep. bad bunch. Mm. What would you say to them? I think, well, the, the words you said before, which is in those videos sum it up beautifully, it does get better, is mm. something that you just hope people can cling to. We know from experience that it gets better, but as a kid, someone can say to you it gets better, but you just sort of go, really? Does it? How can mm. anything get better? But it does. And, and just say, look, in 12 months' enough. time, two years' time when you're leaving school, yeah. you'll know. Yeah. But when two you find, years... No, it's when you find yourself. But two yeah. years when you're 15, 16 years old is like a lifetime. Yeah. Mm. They'll be old by then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And things change so much by that. Yeah, two, two years after that, you're moving out of the high school where you're supported and all that into that whole big world of employment and possibly living you know outside the family thing so it's a big change but for yeah for kids it's really it gets better it does Shirley when he turned when Brett turned 18 uh, he's now an adult um, what what happened then 
when he was really left to his own devices. Well, he still hadn't... I, I think I, it's fair to say from my perspective, at 18, Brett still hadn't found his way. No. He was still floundering. Sure. Um, Many do 18, at 40. <laughs> well, tr- well, true. You're talking um, about yourself, Dean. <laughs> and it's not about me today. No. Well, look, I, I spent last evening with a girlfriend, and we're approaching 70, fast approaching 70. And we were saying how we are still learning so much. But back to the question. At 18, I would have to say Brett was still floundering, um, was still uncertain where he wanted to go, having left just left school, and he, was, he stayed at school till 18. So he was still wondering what he was going to do, had some directions where his father would have liked him to go, where he saw that he had possible potential. Brett didn't have any really clear idea where he wanted to go. Um, was still possibly in with the wrong, still in with the wrong crowd, so to speak. That's got to be a still, difficult time for a mum. Yes, had still not come out, and I had no idea yep, that yep. that's where he was eventually yep. going to be heading sure. anyway. So there was all that going on, and it's easy for us both now to look back at that and say, "Aha, yeah, that's yeah. what all that mess sure. was about." But at yeah, that I just time, went from job to job, really, that's all I did yes. was just, you know, yeah. Dad would get me another job on the forestry and go and do that, and then my brother-in-law would get me work on a winery and he'd do that for a season, and it was just that and smoke pot, do jobs. Yeah. That was it, really. Yeah. It was, yeah. And Shirley, for a mum, you must uh, there must be a mixture of, of sadness and frustration and anger and all of those things uh, during that that time when when you want to see your son. Flourish. Um, I, I don't know that anger's there. Um, sadness, yes. Um, worry, yes. Worry. Incredible yeah. worry and concern about, and, and not being able to see where this is going. And, and I guess one by that, that point, it's all out of your hands as well. It, it, really. it is. Yeah. It's totally out of my hands. There's nothing more I can do, and and that's what's so hard about when you have a personality like mine that likes to be in control, because I'm out of control. There is no more mm. I can do. And I've had to learn in that scenario, as I've had to learn throughout my whole life, and I'm still learning, to zip up and say nothing. And Brett knows that there are many times now when I still have to zip up and say nothing. Um, and so that that's difficult because all this stuff's going through my head. If only this would happen, if only this would happen. But there's no more I can do. What was his coming out to you like? Amazing. Tell me about that experience. Um, I remember it quite clearly. I, I guess you bowled Brett your does eyes too. Out. Yeah. Well, we both did, didn't yeah. we? Um, <laughs> it was tears of joy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brett had I come. Didn't realize it first. Brett had come back to live with Ron and I. Ron and I had been living together for quite some time, and and I bought a house together in Eltham. And Brett, for whatever reason, had come back to live with us for a short time. And we'd come, and by this stage, Brett was twenty-one. So we come to this agreement that. As Brett was an adult, if he was going to stay out that night, he would just let us know that he wasn't coming home. So I wouldn't do the mother thing of, oh, it's late. When's he coming home? (laughs) Yes. Um, And I got home from a a meeting and Brett was sitting on the couch a bit fidgety and saying, you know, we need to talk. So I remember sitting on the arm of the chair that he was on and the next words were, I've met someone. And then the next sentence contained the word, he... And I just threw my arms around him and we hugged and cried and I said, I love you, because that was the most important thing to say. And it was all that mattered. And And that's all I needed too. That was it. That was, you know, after that, after telling mum and secondly, telling the girl that I've been, you know, on and off in this high school sweetheart that we just had this pathetic relationship (laughs) on and off um, and telling her and so she could finally realise why the relationship never worked. And that from then on, it was all just 
kind of there were still challenges of telling brothers and sisters and finally dad but after that it was just you know I could move on and that was the turning point for me that's when Absolutely. I just I just you know and I've mentioned pot a few times but that's when I stopped smoking pot because it was just wow. masking something or whatever yeah 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 um, and it just went alright here we go we're off Absolutely. this is a whole new thing you he know, flourished I would say from that day I saw <clears throat> and my partner Ron saw an incredible change and we saw him flourish personally um, in his career in his relationships with us, we just saw this complete turnaround. This is the new Brett. Mm. This is his life. I didn't change my wardrobe immediately or anything, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stop. wasn't wearing pink fluoro. Brett, what was it like for you to have Shirley say, it's okay, I love you? That was everything. That was all, all I really needed, I guess. That was the validation or the for me to keep going, and that was, you know... Um, I, I knew that mum would... I'd heard mum talk about because her partner's brother was gay and I'd heard them talk about him and I so when I heard her talk in the manner that she did instead of in the old days when we were working on the forestry with a bunch of guys who would go oh, fucking faggots yeah, yeah, you know yeah, that yeah. sort of thing yeah. and the way I'd heard mum talk about that person I knew that she would be accepting or I hoped you know um, and she was so yeah it's a pretty important time for a son to get that reassurance and for it to be so present without question is a special moment. I think mm. it was special for me. It was, um, and as you can see, I can still get it's very still emotional. Very, yeah. That was how long ago? <laughs> 15 years Six, ago? 15, yeah, 16, 16 years ago. And yeah, it was a very special moment mm. for both of us and a very important one. What worries did then came present to you. Were, were there any? At or, that particular moment, yeah. none. I was just so... I felt so privileged that Brett had come to me then. Right. Because I realised that that was his coming out. Yeah. And we sat and talked for a long time after that about... And you knew how important happening. it would be to him I to did. do that. I did. Yeah. And we talked about who he was going to tell next and how he was going to tell the rest of the family. Um, and where to from there. Um, but I felt so privileged that he had been able to confide in me, um, yeah, and share that with me. I thought it was wonderful. Brett, the, the next step, of course, is is uh, coming out to the rest of the family. What mm. was what was that like for you? Um, oh, look, knowing that mum's behind it, it was a, it was a big thing, yeah, because I knew that they would go to mum with any right. sort of stuff, any concerns, I guess, with my, my two, sisters, two sisters and brother, and... Um, yeah, look, I really didn't... My brother, I guess, I had a slight concern because he, he's rough and tumble, panel beater, you know, bloke, he sort of loves his bourbon and loves his <laughs> wife and kids sort of thing, but he was amazing. It was just... Yeah. I think they all realised that I was lost there for a while and if this is what... Did you really yeah. feel that sense of weight lift from your shoulders? Yeah. From that moment on? Yep. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It was That was the thing I'd always wondered, what is this thing ever since I was probably, what, seven or when you know that something's different... You finally go, and by voicing it, that's it. How much prior to you telling Shirley uh, that uh, there was a him involved, uh, did you actually realise that, hang on, this is where I'm at? Um, Officially, um, only a a week or so before. Right. Well, I knew I was attracted to men, but you still don't tell yourself you're gay. You just think... That's a weird thing. You yep. don't say that you're gay, and it's until you that night. I actually, um, coincidentally, walked into this this pub that I'd, I'd seen in the Herald Sun had a thing about some Laird Hotel had had a big successful auction thing, and it had the address. So I'm like, I'll go check it out. 
the second night I went there, two nights in a row, met this guy, and then, you know, I think a couple of nights later told mum. So it was all within a week. of It was very not tumultuous or whatever. It was all very like a steamroller sort of thing. Funny yeah. how the universe works, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. We're speaking with uh, one of the owners of the Laird Hotel, <laughs> um, ironically, <laughs> yes. uh, Mark Lasham. His mother, Shirley, Brett. is... No. Oh, sorry, Brett, yeah. Mark is your partner, Brett yeah. Lasham, and his... He'll take my name one day. Brett's... Oh. <laughs> Does Mark know that? Uh, and Shirley is with us as well. Uh, you're listening to Word for Word across Australia on the Community Radio Network. When we come back... We're going to explore just what Shirley does in her spare time. You're with Dean Beck on Word for Word. On the Community Radio Network, from Melbourne's Joy 94.9, this is Word for Word. You're with Dean Beck on Word for Word. I am joined by Brett Lasham. He is the proprietor, along with his partner Mark, of the Laird Hotel in Collingwood. His mum, Shirley, is with us for Mother's Day. Thanks again to both of you for being here today. Shirley, uh, you um, had to assist Brett uh, in his coming out in some way with his siblings, I believe. Yes, it was, it was a fun night, actually. After Brett had, had uh, shared with me that uh, he, he had realised that, that he was gay and we'd had our little sobbing and joyful little celebration, I suppose you could call it, of coming out together, um, he asked how, we, how he could um, tell his siblings. And it just so happened that within a few weeks, as I recall of that, they were all coming to our place to Ron, where Ron and I were living in Eltham for a family get-together. So I said, well, that could be an opportunity for you. So we all sat round the dinner table, and at that time, quite a few members of the family were smokers, cigarette smokers, yes, yes. I must say. Yes. And uh, nobody smokes in my house because, once again, I'm a bit of a bully, so I'm quite adamant about that. <laughs> um, and so in between courses, the smokers have to exit to the garden to have a puff, as they did. And so when the smokers exited, I nodded to Brett that now could be a good time to go and share because they were all leaving except for about one right and that one person would go out with the others to have a chat anyway while i cleared the table and got ready for the next course so brett ambled out somewhat nervously and the next thing i heard was ah! and shrieks and i looked outside <laughs> and there were hugs and kisses and and handshakes so it was well received and he was well supported by his siblings and their partners at the time was it is was it as joyous as that by your recollection? I think for Brett? me it was more relief. Right, <laughs> like there's another one down. I, yes, uh, yeah. I yes. don't re- recall jumping up and down or anything, but I, th- I think it was a bit more yeah relief and yes. just sort of yeah that's you know the people that matter to you most. Mm, another um, tick in the box. Yeah. Yep. Now, Brett, I've known you for a while, and uh, and I think okay. you're a, a lovely guy. But what on earth possessed you to take your mother to Mardi Gras? <laughs> what possessed mum to say, do, do we want to go to Mardi Gras? Um, <laughs> mum, you know, uh, she look, she jumped into PFLAG. Um, she started um, getting involved with PFLAG in Melbourne after I'd come out. And it really wasn't, I don't think, maybe a little bit for herself, but so that she could share that with other parents that, you know, hey, it's pretty cool. You just say... I love you, dear son or daughter, when they come out and, you know. All's um, well with the world. So, yeah, mum was, and mum dealt with some, some amazing families um, in that. And she marched in Pride March. And let's say I'd be out 
partying at Freak Resort or something like that and coming home at seven in the morning and mum would be off to Pride March and I'd be going, oh, you know. So I'd be <laughs> doing my thing in the community. Mum would be doing the more valued thing, of course. So, um, But yeah, then Mardi Gras came along and we um, decided to march in P-Flag together, um, which was almost another coming out. It's this sort of thing because you're doing it in the eyes of the community and everyone and you don't know who's watching that. And you th- Of course, you sit there going, oh my God, everyone from my life is going to be watching that TV then. You know, you're outing yourself. It's And it was really an amazing night. We've got a photo from that that is up at Mum's place, and it's just really amazing. Shirley, those early days of Pride March um, are very close to me. I was closely involved in in the organisation back then. Uh, What was it like for you to be a part of that? Um, In those days, PFAG led the march. Um, It must have been an extraordinary experience for you to be a part of that. Yeah, um, I I suppose, as I've indicated to you when we were off air, there were times when I felt that I was more out than Brett was, that I was so happy and proud to be the mum of a gay man that I wanted the world to know. I think sometimes people thought it was great that I was supporting my gay mother. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, I really almost went out with it blazoned on my chest, you know. Can I ask where that came from for you? Where did this, I mean, clearly it was before Brett's time, uh, this um, acceptance of um, uh, the gay and lesbian community come for you? Because uh, um, I, I don't know whether it's so much that. It's just pride in my children. Okay. So if my children are there, then I'm proud of, of them and what they're doing. And but I have there must have been an, an awareness and an understanding for you to be so accepting I've from always, the outset. Yeah, as long as, as I can remember, I've had uh, gay and lesbian friends and work colleagues. Um so it's something that's always been there in, in my everyday life. Yeah. And I've never really given it that much thought as being anything unusual. I don't think it's a gay and lesbian thing either for you anyway. It's, a, it's, it's accepting of anyone. Mm. Yeah. You. I think that's yeah. the order. Yeah. Yeah. So. You then volunteered with PFLAG. Um, what... What? Uh, how difficult was that? Because there must have been some tough times. Uh... Well, initially, I, I started just started going to their monthly meetings. Yep. Um, and joining in, and if you've, well, with PFLAG meetings, you sit in a circle and people share if they wish to. And some extraordinary stories come out of people who'd done amazing things within their own families or were seeking support within their own families. So a lot of giving and sharing within PFLAG, and a lot of crying and a lot of laughter and a lot of hugs and support. An amazing group of people. And from that, I recognised very quickly that I had something to offer, having been an ex-teacher and community um, um, support person. I, I realised that I could run workshops and things, so I started doing that. Um, and it, it just meant that it was something that I could give to that community. Um, I think that's I was, a, to though, I think that's where Mum saw what happens if people aren't accepted like the way I was mm, because I, mm. I've never once been abused or anything, you mm. know, when I told someone or anything, I never got that, you know, you dirty faggot, whatever, or get out of my life. Everyone I told was accepting um, and mum saw that there was kids out there who were just mm. treated horrendously um, for no reason. Mm. Yeah, And there must be parents that uh, turn up to those meetings that just don't know where to start. Yes, and you have to admire parents who can come to a meeting yes, like that. I mean, absolutely. that's a huge step for parents mm. to come and say, I don't know how to deal with this. Uh, and you'd have parents who'd say, I not only have one gay son, I have two gay sons, and now my daughter's coming out. What's wrong with my family? And to say there's nothing wrong with your family. You have three healthy <laughs> kids, super. aren't you? Lucky. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so, you know, a lot, a lot to give and a lot to say to people, look, this is fabulous that you have this around you. Welcome it, celebrate it, love them. Um, yeah, it's just an amazing thing to share. And from that, I suppose, very quickly came the idea of, hey, let's go to Mardi Gras, my partner Ron, of course, who, as Brett has indicated, has a gay brother who lives in Sydney. And at the time, the four of us would meet up and we, we went to three, I think we went to three Mardi Gras. Two. Two mm. with you and one, one afterwards. And in the first two, we marched with there, you. There was always that time when I'd ditch mum and say, well, I'm going to. Oh, I'm yeah. off now, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I but wondered about that. I do remember coming back and offering mum something one. at one point. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. I think he'd had enough of marching with his mother after mm. the first one. Right. But the very first one was very special because mm. that was your first Mardi Gras, my yeah. first Mardi Gras, and we did march together. And it was an awesome feeling. Mm. And the, the, the feedback you get from the crowd when they recognise that mother and son are marching together and you hear this good on your mum and yeah. you think, And especially wow. going past that, was it River Nile or that big group that would... You yes. know, with the slogans and all that shit. That the the, uh, the were protesting. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Going past those, that was the best part. Yes. Because you're going and holding hands and saying, this is my son, and yeah. I'm proud of him, and I love him. So, you know, what's it to you? Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's Amazing. it's an extraordinary experience to be uh, walking down that street mm. and to have mm. the street lined, and uh, you feel the energy, you really do. You yeah. do. Yeah. You do indeed. Shirley, what... Does the issue of same-sex marriage and equality mean to you personally? I think it's very important um, that anybody who wants to take that step, no matter who, should have that opportunity. I really don't see what the fuss is about. It should be something that's just a given. Whether Mm. you choose to do it or not is an individual choice. And I really don't see why it even needs to be debated. It should be a given. Shirley, you've gone on to do some pretty extraordinary things within the community, not just with PFLAG here in Melbourne, but uh, down uh, uh, along the peninsula you've uh, started um, some uh, gay support groups. Tell us about that. Um, You did a workshop a little earlier this year titled Gender and Sexuality being gay and lesbian in 2012. That's um, that's pretty special, frankly. Okay, well, um, I can't take the whole credit for that, Dean, but how it came about was last year um, a friend and I were chatting at a music gig in Queenscliff. Uh, we knew from previous conversations that we both had gay sons and we were chatting about that and we also knew that one of the local secondary colleges had a member of staff who was working with same-sex attracted youth at the school and we thought wouldn't it be good if we could offer her some sort of support in a community sense so we sat down together and worked out what we could possibly do and we got in contact with her and said how about we see if we can run a number of general community forums, whatever they might be, and we had no idea what the framework might be at that stage, where we could uh, offer community awareness, community support, information, education, to anybody in general, um, an opportunity for people to talk about these issues and um, air a few things and thereby maybe provide extra support for kids on the Bellarine Peninsula who might find themselves to be same-sex attracted or even think they are. Um, And from that, uh, this is how this first uh, (coughs) workshop came up on being gay and lesbian in 2012. 
Um, and at that stage when we ran it, we invited Suzanne Prosser from GASP in Geelong, which is Geelong, uh, Geelong uh, Adolescent Sexual... Sexuality Project. Project. Sexuality yeah. Project, thank you. And you're probably well aware of that program. Um, and Suzanne was very happy to come on board with us and she actually ran an excellent part of that program for us on that day. And we invited a local GP... Um, and uh, and Rhonda from the secondary college. And between us, we, we ran a, a sort of multi-pronged afternoon session. And we just put the advertisements out there, not knowing whether we were going to get three or 13 or 30 people. And we got over 60 people. Wow. Um, at Queenscliff. Now, wow. We really didn't know. <laughs> That's extraordinary. That's yeah. It was, and it was quite a mixed range. There were a, a, quite a significant number of people from the church community, um, uh, a significant number of uh, people pushing prams, a few lesbian couples pushing prams. And, uh, I spoke to a number of uh, middle-aged couples who had gay or lesbian sons and daughters who were there to get information. So, and there were a few older people who were questioning how come, questions like, how come a woman can be married with kids one year and in the next year she's off living with a lesbian partner? How does that happen? So people seeking answers, seeking information, wanting to know how things happen. So it was a very mixed bunch of people who came, but we were very pleased with the mixed bunch who came and the questions they asked and the reception we got, because when people left, they were saying, this was great, what are you going to do next? How did you promote it? We promoted it by that flyer that you have in front of you, and we put it up in milk bars, libraries, everywhere that had a, a community notice board, the local school, uh, Suzanne, through Gasp in Geelong, promoted it, church notice boards, anywhere there was somewhere we could stick it on, we put it. Now, the church gets a pretty bad rap uh, most of the time. I believe this was done with the uh, support of the Uniting Church, is that The right? full support of the Uniting Church. Yeah. And I have to say, Kerry, who... Kerry Lingham, who's my co-partner in this, um, is one of the true supporters of this whole um, this whole project. In a way, she has two gay sons, right? And she and I were the ones who first got together to talk about our position as loving mothers of our gay sons and what we could do to help other young people who might find themselves in this situation. This uh, workshop, Gender and Sexuality, Being Gay and Lesbian in 2012, it was uh, back in March. What, mm -hmm. what are you... Are you planning to do another one? Um, what, what came of out of this? What came out of that was um, speaking with Suzanne about what she's doing, and obviously we don't want to try and reproduce or cut across what Suzanne's doing in Geelong because she's doing some very valuable work with youth in the Geelong and down the Bellarine Peninsula. Um, but we want to try and complement what she's doing. And the next thing that we're planning, um, and this arose out of a conversation with Brett, um, is to, uh, in October this year, we're looking at running a, a couple of queer films on the peninsula. Um, we're going to call it Out at the Movies. And um, I'm hoping to get those films through the Queer Film Festival in Melbourne. Um, and uh, Suzanne will see what we can do to get, uh, if we need buses, then hopefully we'll get be able to bus some kids from Geelong and elsewhere around the peninsula. But we'll, we'll aim the films at 15 plus and general community so that we can get anybody who's interested to come and have a look. 
Join us for an afternoon and evening of films and a meal. Geelong and the Ballerine Peninsula has uh, sadly uh, been an area that has been very prone to a very high level of youth suicide and uh, particularly gay and lesbian uh, youth suicide. Um, It's something I know that the region is very conscious of. Um, Is this support group, this, this workshop that you're doing, uh, something that you're hoping will uh, see those figures uh, fall? When Kerry and I first met last year to talk about what we could do to support the school, we were aware of these statistics and thought that if there was anything that we could do in a very, very small way to support the school, and then of course became aware of what Suzanne was doing at GASP, that if together we could make some small contribution to lower those statistics, then we would be very happy to do that. So yes, if what we're doing helps to create more information, more awareness, more tolerance, more understanding in the community, that's fabulous. We should at this point uh, say that uh, Lifeline is there for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Simply call them on 13 11 14 if you are experiencing suicidal thoughts or having trouble and want to speak to someone in an emergency, always contact triple zero. We're speaking with Shirley Lasham and her son Brett, who along with his partner Mark uh, own and run the Laird Hotel here in Melbourne. Brett, what do you think of this work that Shirley's doing? Um... It's amazing. It's sort of, um, is it humbling? Um, I just, yeah, yeah I, amazing feeling of pride um, that mum does it, that she does it just out of the, the kindness of her heart and that she sees people out there who, who need need the assistance and is happy to do it. Um, yeah, it's a bit, you know, there's, I was fortunate enough, as I said earlier, to be able to just say to a lot of people that it came out in a really easy way um, and a lot of people don't have that sort of support um, or they, they have no idea who they can turn to. In your work, um, with so many men going through your hotel, mm. you must hear stories, uh, some of which where families have totally uh, let go of their, yeah, their kids. Yeah, you ended up with people who basically all they have, once they come out, all they have is the gay scene. And that can be a pretty, um, a pretty lonely thing um, for people if you... Just you get absorbed by that and feel that all that you have is if your like, only family is in the pub, yeah, 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 or you know, this all I've got is I go out and I drink, and there's it's just the gay lifestyle. Um, it's not an overall bad thing, but it's you know, it's not being gay isn't everything, having your family there or people who love and support you are. So, I think for people who don't have if they don't have a, a mother or family that they feel they can just come out to easily, just voicing it to someone that hey, I am gay can just be the, the massive weight off the shoulders and then looking for the support through things like this or the Geelong ad, um, Adolescent Sexuality thing. So, yeah, I mean, there's great work being done out there with CAN and um, and anti-violence projects. And so, yeah, it's really good. And what, to see mum doing it, you know, I, I just think it, it's great. And um, there's so many resources that they can utilise to, to get things moving down there, I think, like, like Queer Film Festival and that. There's so many big resources in the big city that can help those country areas really get the word out there. Shirley, the more uh, accepting that society becomes of gays and lesbians, the more challenging it becomes for us to then accept uh, issues of gender diversity. And I know that your, uh, your particular program focuses on uh, gender as well. How is it, uh, do you think, in, in regional areas with regards to issues of intersex and transsexuality? How do, you, how do you perceive the, the problems that currently are faced by those in regional areas? 
It's difficult for me to say. I mean, I live in a, 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 I suppose, you know, just that little pocket down on the peninsula, mm. and we don't see a lot. It's not like living in the city, where I suppose you you see a lot of examples. We actually don't see a lot. You'd probably say for, for trans and intersex community, they're probably yeah. where the gay community was 30 years ago Indeed. or something. It's, yeah. You know, which is good that they've got a path they can follow, but it's, it may, you know, they're still a fair way back. Yeah. So. I'd say it's fairly hidden where we are. It's not obvious. Mm. Geelong has got a uh, seemingly strong and emerging uh, gay community that um, seems to be coming together more more often and more cohesively. Um, are you aware of that? Are you, are you tapped into that? Personally, no, no. Mm. Um, I, can, I can appreciate that if I'm to continue with the, this work that I, I need to be. But uh, I guess I've been a little bit selfish in the 12 years we've been down there until I started doing this. I've been doing my own thing. Yeah, you've done <laughs> post, on you. the post-retirement caravan trips yes. and everything. Yeah, you Riding my bike. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there uh, plans to do more of these wonderful workshops? Yeah, there will be. But right. we're trying not to um, burn out other people who are being involved. And we're conscious that, for instance, Suzanne's doing that in a professional full-time capacity. Rhonda's doing it within the school. And we're just sitting fairly quietly in the background just trying to support that in a fairly low key the other person Kerry in this little um, group is a full-time minister at the Uniting Church and is doing a whole lot of community awareness in very many different areas so her work is full-time too. Shirley as a mum what would you like to see for us as a nation with regards to an understanding and acceptance of uh, sexuality and gender um, you know in the next five years where would you like to see us where would you like us to be just all accepting each other as human beings and as people regardless of who we are what we look like what we profess to be what color what shape what sexuality does it really matter what religion whatever we're just human beings on the planet do you think tony abbott's listening now we're all sharing it together We are on this planet together, and uh, if we don't get along, then uh, it's going to be a hell of a time for all of us. So, um, yeah, let's work that out. Mm, Absolutely. It has been wonderful to spend some time with you today, with both of you. Thank you very much for being so open and honest, and uh, uh, I really appreciate uh, you spending your Mother's Day with us here on Joy. It's been a pleasure. And thanks, Mum. Thank you, Brett. Thank you, Dean. Shirley Lasham and Brett Lasham, my special guests today here on this special Mother's Day edition of Word for Word. Now, my name is Dean Beck. If you'd like to correspond with the program, you can simply send us an email, wordforword at joy.org.au. You can follow me on Twitter at Dean Beck on Air. And there will be a podcast of this interview available for download from Joy's website at joy.org.au. Till next time, you keep well. Take care. Bye for now. Word for Word is produced by Robert Briley and presented by Dean Beck from Australia's first gay and lesbian radio station, Melbourne's Joy 94.9. Word for Word is made possible thanks to funding provided by the Community Broadcasting Foundation and is distributed nationally to over 70 radio stations in the Community Radio Network.
Joy 94.9 is a GLBTIQ community radio station in Melbourne, Australia. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.